you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, the subject of today's uh, uh, message is the believer's position. And I want to uh, just share a little story, first of all, that Robert uh, Mulholland uh, gave, and he was uh, describing just how powerful the sense of being chosen is in people's lives. And he said this, I once heard a, a woman tell of her struggle with, uh, with the reality of being an unwanted child. She was the unintended byproduct of her mother's occupation. Although her life's pilgrimage had brought her to faith in Christ, blessed her with a deeply committed Christian husband and beautiful children, and given her a life of love and stability, she was obsessed with the need to find out who her father was. And this obsession was affecting her marriage and her family and her life. Uh, she told how one day she was standing at the kitchen sink, washing the dishes with tears streaming down her face, tears of anguish and frustration, all dripping into the dishwater. In her agony, she cried out, Oh God! Who is my father? And then she said, she heard a voice saying to her, I am your father. The voice was so real that she turned to see who had come into the kitchen, but there was no one there. And again the voice came, I am your father. And I have always been your father. In that moment, she knew the profound reality that Paul is speaking of here in this passage of Scripture. She came to know that deeper than her unintended conception was the eternal purpose of a loving God who had seen her come to faith even before the foundation of the world. The theology of being chosen is for some a bit controversial. It does not need to be so if we apply the whole light of scripture upon this and for that matter any other idea that people like to come up with. Apply the whole light of scripture because you can take even one verse that might have a few different uh, ideas in that verse and you can choose one idea and run off and make a whole big theology of it, which does violence to many other scriptures. And so we, we need to be careful about our hermeneutics. Now the word hermeneutics is, is uh, interpreting literature, but it's mostly applied to interpreting the word of God. And it's actually a course in Bible college, in the theological halls, and even some churches um, run courses in how to understand the Bible. And so that's a very important thing and one of the very important principles of good biblical hermeneutics 
is that you interpret the clear text, sorry, you interpret the unclear text or the ambiguous text by the clear ones. And you add up all the clear ones and you and you add this add the uh, the picture from there. So this passage speaks of not just being chosen, but actually where and why that church sorry choosing happened. Uh, Reinhard Bonke, I think that's how you say his name, B O W N K E, Bonke, I guess so. <coughs> And he's not listening to this recording later. Anyway, he said this, the strongest, the richest, the most educated man outside the ark was lost. But the weakest, the poorest, and the least educated man in the ark was saved. So Noah's ark, I think, is a good place to start our study today. We are talking today about salvation. The ark was a place of refuge and a place of safety in a time of what? Global judgment. And it was a global judgment. And it came and, uh, and all those outside the ark were, uh, uh, were perished. And the ark itself was a noticeable testimony both of coming judgment and the salvation that was being freely offered. During the building of the ark, Noah preached that there was safety from the coming judgment only in the ark. You'll notice in our passage that little word in is mentioned quite a number of times and it's very important that you notice that. So the coming judgment, there was safety in the ark and Noah preached that many times to the people all around him. Come. Be prepared. Get in the ark when it is time. When the judgment comes, you will need to be in the ark or you will perish. So I say today, when the final judgment comes, if you're not found in Christ, you will perish. And I don't say that judgmentally. I say that with love and kindness, saying, come, get in Jesus that you might be saved in that great day. Those who heard the preaching had to accept it by faith, just as we have to accept it by faith today. If the salvation was only open to Noah and his family, then the preaching had no purpose. Noah offered a passage to freedom, but it was by following God's way by being in the ark when judgment fell. And those who were in the ark, by God's promise, were saved. So we are seeing that there is an in, that is I-N, not I-double-N, there is an I-N, there is an in that reflects safety. Those in the ark were safe and blessed. Those in Christ are safe and blessed. Paul places the choosing as being in Christ. And this was even before the foundation of the world was laid. 
This was before God had established the boundaries of Israel and before the giving of the law. Though the Jews strongly complained about the preaching of faith in Jesus' name, they had no right to do so. It was predetermined before anything was made that salvation was to be only in Christ. And all who walk the way of Christ are predetermined to be saved. This choosing of us was in him. Note verse 4 in our, in our passage there. Even as he chose us in him. This marvellous salvation and adoption as children of God is part of the every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places mentioned in verse 3. How does one get to be in Christ? Well, John 1 verse 12 is where we apply hermeneutics. We, we reach out across Scripture and we, we apply other texts of Scripture that speak of these kind of things. And one, sorry, not one John, but the Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 12, we read the answer to this question and it says, But to all who did receive him and believe in his name, so what do we have to do? We receive the grace of God. We receive the Spirit of God. When we receive something, it is something that is offered. It's not something that we go and buy. It is something that is offered to us. And it's by the grace of God that it is offered to us. And so we receive Him. We receive His Spirit. His Spirit comes and indwells. And then it says, who believe in His name. Now that's an interesting word, believe. Because it really is an important word. Because the Bible says that the demons believe in the name of Jesus. It's a different belief. It's an intellectual belief. They believe the facts about Jesus. And there are many people in this society, many people in churches right across the they have a good head knowledge of who God is and and uh, and the salvation story and, and all the, the biblical stories throughout the Bible. They've got a great head knowledge of it. But the devils are not saved because that same verse says, and they tremble. But this is, this is a different belief. It's a belief. Yes, I believe all these facts, but I have received them. And they have changed my life. And they, as the scripture then says, he gave the right to become children of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Have you received Jesus? This is what Paul is talking about. Man, it's a free gift, free gift of God. That you would receive the, the grace and the, the gracious spirit of God to come into your life and make that great change that is desperately needed. So how does one become in Christ? Well, John tells us, receive him and believe in his name. Stick to it. The word believe means, you know, super glue. Yep. Super glue your fingers together. 
not a good thing to do, I can tell you that. But, uh, you know, it, it pulls apart, it takes your skin off when you get rid of apart. But, you know, it, it's that kind of idea where you are suitable to Jesus. By His Spirit of God, you are glued to Him, you're stuck to Him. You don't want to go anywhere else. And then you have the right. Now, in this age of rights, my rights, here is one right that you are given by God, and it is all by His grace. None of us have earned it. None of us can say, I'm a child of God because I'm so good. None of us can say that. I am a child of God because God is so good. And He has been so good to me. So, receiving the free offer and trusting in the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice. That's what brings us to faith in Jesus Christ. We realise just how sinful creatures we have been. And we realise that remarkable holiness of God and that He wants us to be there, but there is this thing in between us, our sin, which is marring our vision of the holiness of God. But by the grace of God, that blood of Christ cleanses that sin away. And we receive the holiness of Christ in our lives by His free gift. Having predestined us is often the term that is a stumbling block for many. The word here simply means to set a boundary. As in the geographical sense, as one uh, commentator said, in the geographical sense of setting the boundaries of Israel. It's setting a boundary. So when you think of salvation, think in terms of a boundary. To set bounds. The boundary context here mentioned in verse 5, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Um, <clears throat> So this, uh, a boundary suggests that one cannot go beyond it. The context, context of salvation here is that the boundary here is mentioned in the Gospel of John 14, verse 6, where it records Jesus' words. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That is the boundary. And that was set before the foundation of the world, the way of salvation. So there is no adoption as children of God without the boundary he set up. The boundary excluded any proposed way to heaven that was not through faith in the atoning work of Christ, which was foreshadowed in Genesis 3.15, where, uh, where God was dealing with the uh, there's two naughty parents of the house, and, uh, and also Lucifer himself. And he spoke about an event coming. You see how everything is based on faith. 
having faith that when God says something, it is true. So right back there in, in Genesis, he was pointing us to the cross of Christ, where that great work of salvation will be done. So, anyway, not through faith in the atoning work of Christ is excluded by the boundary. The boundary is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to heaven. Salvation has this impenetrable boundary with only one entrance. Is that ring a bell with any of you here? One entrance? Remember we spoke about Noah's Ark? There was one entrance in it. And his name is Jesus. No man can exercise his will and push it aside as he chooses. The way, the truth, and the life is the only way to be in Christ. This ought to remind us of the ark which had uh, only one door of entrance and that it was God who closed the door, you remember. You remember that scripture and you passed that over. It is God who closed the door. No, it didn't. I don't, I don't know that he had the strength to be able to pull that big door up. But uh, God closed the door. It's another idea that we cannot earn our own salvation in any way at all. It was God who closed the door. In Matthew 24, verse, verse 36, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So the Father knew when that door needed to be closed, and he had all in who were going to be in. And all in, even the animals in that occasion that needed to be there, they were all there. None were left outside that should have been in there. But sadly, how many people died there? We can guess maybe they didn't, I suppose. Now they shouldn't have been in there, but my friends, they could have been if they had come according to the boundary that God had set. You come and you go in through that door and you will be saved. I'm the next great global judgment, when Christ shall come and wrap up history, there are going to be millions, as the Bible indicates, many more will be outside of the boundary of salvation than will be safely inside. And they shouldn't be in there friends, they could be. They could be. They shouldn't because they have rejected the blood of Christ and they have trampled it underfoot and they have rejected the way of salvation. 
But the Bible says, whosoever will may come. So they could have come. Oh, what a sad day that is going to be on that day of judgment. Jesus described himself as the door and the only true shepherd. In John 10, verse 9 to 10, it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pastures. Now that's, that's a nice, nice seed, isn't it? And you sort of entered into the promised land and you can, you can just go where you want and enjoy it and enjoy the wonder of it. And uh, I sometimes try to wonder what heaven's like, but uh, I can't. And, you know, it's kind of stating the obvious, isn't it? But, uh, but I still try it anyway. But it's going to be a wonder. And we will go here and there and do whatever God has for us to do. But he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Not just life, but life abundantly. Abundantly in the Spirit of God, rejoicing now, not just waiting for rejoicing in heaven, but rejoicing now in this world, right here where you are seated now, rejoicing that the Spirit of God is dwelling within you. What a great honour that is, that he has brought you within the boundaries of salvation that he has set up. And he finishes that saying by, by saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. My great kindness and my great love will drive him to do that. You see, this way is immutable and will never change. I use that word immutable because it's usually a word in the theological sense meaning unchangeable. But I want you to understand that word immutable. And I hope you're going to use that every now and again. Every time you think of something unchangeable, you say that's immutable. I want you to get a hold of that in your mind because it is immutable. This way of salvation is immutable. It is unchangeable. It's immutable. And when I use that word, I kind of have this impression that God is speaking. And I dare not contradict him. This word has also the meaning of happening before. That is, uh, getting back to our, our word before about predestined. This word has also the meaning of happening before. It uh, predetermined. There is this essential idea of setting bounds or limits and of doing this beforehand. It is not that God determined to do it when it actually, actually happened. But that his immutable intention, is that word again? That immutable intention was set in place before the world was made. In his foreknowledge, he saw all of history and planned how to undo the work of the devil and to set the captive free. It was beforehand that salvation was determined to be opened to all people who would come by His way, the way of faith in Jesus Christ. It is open to all people because all people are created in God's image. 
It is generally accepted by people on both sides of this uh, particular theological fence that the sense here is that God had predetermined before the world was made to accept the Gentiles into the privileges of his people. And this is reflected in many a text of Scripture. Here again, we are reaching out across Scripture, making sure that we are not building a story here in this part which will contradict a part over here or a part over there and thus have Scripture violating Scripture. So the predetermination here is that all who walk between the boundaries of the way of salvation will be saved. What great assurance of salvation we have in a religiously diverse world that Jesus, being God and proving himself so, has promised us by his many words of promise that because we are in Christ by faith, we are safe. Salvation is positional in Christ. Now, some other scriptures drawn from other places. Joel 1 verse 32. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance as the Lord promised among the remnant called by the Lord. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever what believeth in him what shall not perish not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever comes by the way of Christ. John eight verse twelve. Once again Jesus spoke to the people and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. You feel like you're walking in darkness at times? Reach up in heaven and flip the light on. Whoever follows me, he says. Whoever, and this is the numbers of people, whoever, is it available to? Who is it available to? Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. John 12, verse 46. I am the light that has come into the world. No one who has faith in me will stay in the dark. Does that say how big that faith must be? No one who has faith in me will stay in the dark. Does that say how big the faith will be? No. And sometimes we, we read testimonies of people that it, it's kind of like they've got this great, huge, centre-black, centre bag of faith on their back and they're just coming around everywhere they're just so much faith huge but don't say that don't say that it just says whosoever shall, sorry no one who has faith in me will stay in the dark and I say no, doesn't matter how big your faith is your small, timid faith. It's who you place your faith in. That's important. I say no 
but it does say faith in Jesus. Uh, Acts 2 verse 21, Then it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I could not finish off this without one of my favourite texts of Scripture from one of the favourite chapters in the Bible. I think I said some time ago, saying something like that is almost like saying you've got a favourite child, isn't it? But this one here, it is just so beautiful. It is just so lovely. The grace, the kindness, the loveliness, the beauty here. It just speaks to me. Revelation 22, verse 17. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let him that heareth, let him that heareth say, Come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Notice that there is a cooperation in evangelism in this text of Scripture here. And that cooperation is between the Holy Spirit and the church. Recall in uh, 2 Kings 7, 3-20, during the uh, Syrians' uh, besieging of Samaria, when the four lepers, you remember, who, who were starving and they were outside the city because they were, they were lepers, they were allowed in there. And they said to themselves, well, why do we got the words? Go over there. They'll just kick us back out again. Go over here. They might chop our heads off. But they got food over there. So off they went. And they discovered that God had already rounded them. That God had already chased them away and left these banquets of tables of, of food. And they, oh, and then they hopped into it and were eating up there and filling up their bellies and then one of them said, hey, how can we do this? How can we enjoy the blessing and not share it with anyone? So it's exactly what they did to win, told them. Eventually, we saw, you can see what happened. They simply could not remain silent. So the spirit and the bride, that's the church, says, come Come, come to the one who is common, who is gracious, who is all caring. And in closing, I want to read, just read the texts of Scripture that have in in them. Ephesians 1, verse 1. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with the every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Um, Ephesians 1 verse 4. Chosen in Christ, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Adopted by Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 5. 
He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Lavished with love in Christ, the one God loves. Ephesians 1 and verse 6, to the praise of his great glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Redeemed and forgiven in Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 7. In Him we have redemption. In Him we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of His grace. And the last one for this morning. His will revealed in Himself. Ephesians 1 and verse 9. Making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which he set forth in Christ. I trust that you've been encouraged this morning that God, before the foundation of the world, looked down through the corridors of time and saw you and saw that you would come by, by faith to Jesus Christ. And he has said, you will be saved as you walk that way of salvation. Would you give thanks to him today because of that? Let us pause for a moment. Father in heaven, indeed, we pause to say thank you. That you have set up the boundary that no thieves can get in. That only those who are children of God and come by the way in which you have set up. Through that one open door, my Lord, we thank you today for your blessing upon us as your people. Help us to be like those lepers who discover that great blessing of food and then said, hey, how can we keep this silent? Lord, rebuke us if we are silent. Help us to cry out there is food to be eaten. Come and enjoy it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.